So what what I do with my kids, I mean, I I 100% believe it all starts with me. Like I have to be that that person because more than whatever I say, they're going to look at me and say, how do I react to people? How do I treat people? What am I trying to do? Like what kind of father am I being? What kind of husband am I, I being? Um, it it's a challenge for me because I'm, you know, I have my job, I have my side gig, I have, you know, father, you know, husbands about like trying to figure out balancing all of those things and trying to show them that I'm a hard worker, but also showing them that I want to spend time with them, you know, and be there, you know, showing them that I can be creative and be an entrepreneur, but you know, that they're more important than any of these, these jobs that I, I have. Welcome to Authentic Conversations. I'm your host, Ryan James Miller, and I believe the way to freedom, fulfillment, and success ultimately comes by living as the most authentic version of yourself. If you're ready to live the life you've dreamed of, you're in the right place. What up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Authentic Conversations. So what you are getting today and what you will have seen at this point is a bit of a shift in how I've um, uh, shared the last uh, few episodes of the podcast. Uh, not that the format's changing at all, but definitely the types of conversations I'm having, you know, having, you know, while we, I want to continue to be very real and very raw, very authentic about people and their lives. Uh, you know, many of the episodes uh, were turning into, and again, not that they were bad because people have been giving positive feedback and we've been learning from them, but you know, they were just turning into these seven steps to being a better or seven steps to overcoming. And again, those are important things, but I just wanted to do something different. And I wanted to align with this passion that I have to speak more specifically about manhood today. Uh, a word even that triggers a lot of people, a topic that is being challenged uh, from every facet of this world. And so I wanted to go right at it like I always do. And so because of that, took to LinkedIn, started asking some people if they'd be interested in coming on the podcast. And one of the people that raised his hand uh, was somebody that I've come to respect very, very highly. Uh, that's Steve Watson. He's the founder of Trendbreakers. Uh, you can learn more about him by going to LinkedIn. I'll make sure to pop his link uh, in the show notes so you can reach out to him. But you know, he's created this community of finance people, human resources professionals, and benefits advisors, and really trying to help them uh, get a grasp on just the out-of-control healthcare costs that are uh, that we're experiencing in America today. And I say we because we're all there. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the fact that Steve is a man. If you're looking at him, you can see it already. I'm right here. <laughs> He's there. Uh, he is a husband. He's a father to a lot of kids, which we're going to dig into. And uh, so with that, Steve, what up, buddy? Welcome. Glad to have you. I'm excited. It's fun. Like, I love geeking out on employee benefits, but I mean, you get into my family. That's my my passion, really. I mean, that's the passion that, that we all have. It's most important to us that we don't talk enough about. So I'm excited about this. Okay. So we're just going to get right into. So family, you have a lot of kids, right? How many? I have seven kids. Oh my gosh. And yeah. what are their age ranges? So my oldest will be turning 17 here next next week. And the, the gender is it goes boy, 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 girl. So I got a little oh. girl at the very end. So it's 17 all the way down to three. So she's just turned three here past December. So six boys and a little girl ranging from 17 to three. That three-year-old child 
will be imagine. protected for the rest <laughs> of her life. Can you imagine? Yeah. Yes. And she she's the, as girly girl as you can ever, ever get. Every princess dress, every princess. Dress. But she'll take your knees out because, I mean, she's got six older <laughs> brothers. Like she, <laughs> she doesn't oh, mess around. I love that. Okay, so seven kids. How long have you been married? I We just did our 19th year anniversary celebrated in Charleston. So if I had some really cool sound effects, we'd all be cheering right now. Yeah. That's amazing. Right? I mean, it, it really, really is. You know, when we think about um, just the sanctity of marriage, at least when I think about the sanctity of marriage, um, you know, when we talk about marriage in general, uh, we just don't hear people that have been married that long. Right. I mean, it's, just, it's getting harder and harder to hear. People well, it's funny when you first married. get married, you hear those people have been married like 20 years, like, wow, that's like so long or 10 plus years. And yeah, it'll be 20 years next, next year. And it just keeps getting better. Like, and honestly, I mean, it's, I mean, good times, bad times, all, all this stuff, but I, I, did, I don't think people realize that the longer you've been married, the more depth that it has and the more your relationship has and stuff like that. And people, I think, miss out on you know spending that much time with one person. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it, it, what's interesting for me is and, you know, I, I could see you as somebody that would probably feel very similarly, you know, uh, so I just celebrated 20 years of marriage to my wife and which is just a feat in and of itself for her, uh, definitely <laughs> more so. Um, but at the at this point in my life and i'm only 43 and i have a lot of great guy friends but there is nobody that i would rather spend time with than my wife you know i like i enjoy guys night out or guys weekends every once in a great while but it, when i'm gone i just miss my wife and want to get back to hanging out with her no it's so true and i i I think this is a difference between men and women. Like my my wife definitely needs her girlfriend, needs a break from the you know the kids running around and go off and do stuff. And my my kids are like, well, who are your friends? And I'm like, mom, you know that. <laughs> like, well, why don't you go off and do it? Like, if I if I'm gonna go leave on a weekend, go somewhere. Like, I want to go with my wife. I want to go spend a weekend with my wife. I want to go wherever you know and spend time with her because I'm the same way. Like, that's that's my best friend. That's who I want to be with. That's why we got married, right? Spend spend lifetime eternity with. And so 19 years means that it's been all bliss, right? To get to this point. Yeah. With, with seven kids, all bliss. <laughs> <laughs> so, so tell me about that just, just for a minute is, so what, what's it like to be married that long? Like, I mean, obviously it's not all easy. We, we have, you know, different challenges that we run into on a daily, yearly basis. And so what's it like for you to, you know, to think back on the last 19 years of marriage and getting to this point? Yeah, I mean, we joke around like we never, never could have imagined this, this life. I mean, I, I think when you first get married, when you first come out of college and stuff, you, you, you think you're dreaming big, but it's really small and what life has planned for you. You know, I never thought I'd go to Brazil. I lived five years in Brazil with my wife and we had two of our kids were born in Brazil and never thought we'd move to Arizona and never thought we'd have seven kids. That was never part of the part of the plan as well. And it's just now I, you know, I'm in my early forties as well. And like looking forward, you're like, I, I still think I'm dreaming big, but it'll be fun to see what the next 20 years bring. Mm. You know, and I would and just so say, you know, talking about authentic kind of stuff. I mean, this, this thing about having seven kids, that was one of our biggest, biggest challenges in our life. My, you know, I'm, we're very strong in our faith as well. And a lot of prayer and a lot of stuff. And my wife had dreams of having a girl, but our, our very first one was born and we had the name picked out, Emily. We thought it was a girl, stuff like that. I have this boy 
And then, you know, I had a couple other boys and we're both from big families. I'm the oldest of six. My wife's oldest of five. And we always thought like four or five kids. That's where we thought we would, we would have. And then, you know, the third boy comes and then the fourth boy comes and, you know, I mean, we're, we're part of the LDS faith. I mean, we're starting to max out like the Catholics and the Mormons is our joke. You know, <laughs> we're having more kids than them. You know, it's like the fifth boy comes and, and so she's still having these dreams about having this girl and having, you know, and it wasn't, it wasn't that people would ask like, are you just waiting for the girl? It, it wasn't so much about that. It was more of like, we felt God had called us to like have this girl. And so like, you're questioning your faith of like, do we keep going? This is what God wants us to do or not. And so then we have the fifth boy and then the sixth boy. And you're like, holy moly, <laughs> that's just a lot of kids. Like, I mean, I love all my kids, but I'm just saying that we were just, you know, and then, you know, have the seventh one and it's a little girl and this princess, I can't imagine life, life without having my little girl at the, at the end, but it's hard. I mean, this is a hard life to have that many kids and it, it's hard to, it's hard to have a 17 year old and a three year old at the same time. Cause the 17 year old wants to stay up until one o'clock in the morning and the three year old wants to wake up at five o'clock in the morning. And, <laughs> you know, it's just dealing with teenagers and little kids and stuff like that. I mean, blast. I wouldn't change it, but it's hard. It really is a hard thing to, to do. Yeah. So, I mean, were there any significant hurdles that you guys have faced in your marriage along the way? I mean, was there any like, you know, big moments of challenge or struggle that you recall as being just one of those things that uh, I mean, almost stumped you up? my wife and I've always had like a really good relationship between the two of us. And so I don't think we, we've luckily not had like a big challenge between the two of us. It's again, a, a big part of our faith is that when we get married, we get married for eternity. And so we really believe that these marriages go beyond just this life and which is a big deal. And so when you're, when you're talking about getting married, it's not even like getting married for just like the next 40, 50 years, you're talking about like ever <laughs> kind of, mm -hmm. kind of stuff. And so part of it going into that with that mentality, I think helps live through like the small things and the big things. But as far as like big hurdles, I mean, moving to Brazil was a big challenge, like living in a different country and a different culture and, and dealing with that. You know, I think the biggest ones was like, do we have more kids? And, you know, do we follow this kind of stuff and challenging? Cause it, you know, my fourth child, when my wife was pregnant with our fourth. She ended up and ended up in the hospital going with an ambulance there. And I remember following in the car, this ambulance and just like, that's my whole world. It's in that ambulance right there. And just, you know, being the dad and the father being like, I'm done. Like, I, I can't do this. I can't do life without her. I can't do life. And so I don't know. That, that was tough. But. Yeah. So I guess that kind of leads into my thoughts. So, you know, as, as I think about, being a man today, um, there is this, at least I feel, a significant tension. Um, so we, not too long ago, came out of this era of toxic masculinity right. where, you know, guys were over-flexing themselves. And with that, you know, we, we, we saw like, you know, the height of, you know, maybe abuse kind of, you know, came to the forefront in society. And then we saw this pendulum kind of swing almost into a complete other direction. And this isn't always going to make more fans of, uh, or for me, but you know, then we, we started to swing into this very weak, weak sense of masculinity. The answer to toxic masculinity was well, it's a joke, another, right? You watch any movie yeah, about yeah. dads. It's all about the funny guy that can't do anything. That doesn't know how to do anything. And it's just like, it's yeah. A joke. <laughs> yeah. Or, you know, they're, they're, you know, 
they don't need to be strong. They're just, they're just passive. And so how do you view, and especially, I mean, you have seven boys. So like, how do you personally view masculinity and leadership as a man in your home and in, with your boys? Like, how, how do you come to see that today? Yeah. And I, I remember like on, on your post, like one of the things you talk about being kind of like white conservative male kind of, kind of stuff, like you can't, you you can't even like really say that anymore. Right. You can't even like say that until you get, you get hammered. And okay. Okay. So it's like one thing about me, like I can deal with my own stuff, but I have six boys that I'm trying to raise that mm-hmm. guess what? They, they can't choose their race. They can't choose their gender. They can't choose their, I mean, their, their conservative stuff. And I'm trying to help them feel valued. And I think that's as human beings, that's what we all want. And unfortunately, I think that's what's happened to a lot of minorities, a lot of female, a lot of stuff. They just weren't valued for so long. And I think as society, we're doing better at doing that. We want to bring everybody up to feel valued. But I think we're pushing men down and saying, well, you can't feel valued. You can't do that stuff. That's not what we want, right? And so sometimes when I go out there and say, I want to feel valued. I want to feel like I'm, I'm doing this stuff. I want my boys to feel that stuff. I can't say that now. I, unfortunately, on social media, I can't go out there and do that in a very public way because I just get slammed out there. And you, you yeah, think about clubs in high school, like you can't have a male club. You can't have a conservative club. You can't have a heterosexual club. You can't have, you know, put those three together and you're like deem this racist kind of whatever out there. But they they need a place, you know, and I want to teach them and, how do you, how do you educate them? I mean, especially like your older boys, I mean, 17, that's a junior man. And yeah. so, you know, how, how are you bringing him up to, to find that in himself? And at the same time, I would just expect this of you, knowing what I know of you to be respectful of those that think differently. Yeah. And yeah. And I am that way. And it's funny. And you're the same exact way. And I, I saw some people like hammering you. I'm like, do you even know him? I'm like, for the love. Because <laughs> like, we just see a post and then we go off on people. And it's like, it's like when you know people. So what what I do with my kids, I mean, I, I 100% believe it all starts with me. Like I have to be that that person because more than whatever I say, they're going to look at me and say, how do I react to people? How do I treat people? What am I trying to do? Like what kind of father am I being? What kind of husband am I, I being? Um, it, it's a challenge for me because I'm, you know, I have my job, I have my side gig, I have, you know, father, you know, husbands about like trying to figure out balancing all those things and trying to show them that I'm a hard worker, but also showing them that I want to spend time with them, you know, and be there, you know, showing them that I can be creative and be an entrepreneur, but you know, that they're more important than any of these, these jobs that I, I have. And so as much as I can, I just try and share their struggles with them and say, look, it's hard. Like, this is what I'm trying to do. And what do you guys think? And trying to listen to them and try and, and I'm not, I'm not perfect at all. I mean, this is, <laughs> this is a journey that I'm trying to grow. And I, I learned my one son, he was got into a conversation with my wife and was saying, look, I just want to spend more time with dad. Like I just need dad. Mm-hmm. And that hurt, you know, this 14 year old that's having a hard time and I want to do it. So we came together and decided we're going to go play pickleball. So we wake up at five 30 in the morning. Cause he loves pickleball and we go play pickleball every, every morning. And I'm not in the shape to play pickleball. I'd rather <laughs> sleep in and do stuff, but it's what he loves to do. And it's turning into be like our thing. So every morning we go play pickleball. And Oof. I, you know what I love about that so much, Steve is. <clears throat> so when I think about a man, a couple of the defining characteristics are protector and provider. And 
I think the old school idea of provision was in some sense monetary, right? I'm going to put a roof over your head. I'm going to put food in your mouth. I'm going to, you know, clothes on your back, which are all very wise things to, to want to provide for your family. But one thing that I started to become really fascinated by was this idea that to provide is also to make available. And I think that's one aspect, particularly that men and fathers in homes or even husbands to their wives have often overlooked. You know, I mean, there was a season of my life when I was spending so, so much time trying to provide the practical for my family that I was ignoring my family. Yeah. And so I love that you you you're making yourself available in a way that is so much about provision. It's just, it's wonderful there's some, to hear that. Some really good books. There's a book called Love and Respect. I love that book. I mean, if you if you haven't read that book between like learning between males and females and stuff like that, and it comes from a, a Bible scripture where I talk about how it commands women to love their husbands and for women or men to love their wives and wives to respect their husbands. And he was just fascinated. Like, why is the difference? Like, why, why shouldn't it just be love each other and do stuff? And so diving into that, that piece and how we speak different stuff. And you'll have to go read that book and do it. But what's it's helped me with my wife but it's helped me with my boys as well and my wife's gotten to the point of saying look these like 14 15 16 17 year old boys like i can love them but i can't teach them respect i can't teach them to be a man i can't teach them these kind of stuff like it's your turn now dad like it, it's on you and I, i'm feeling yeah. that weight now it's like the older they get the more that's like you know when they're really young mom's like there all the time and keeping them alive and stuff well like now it's my turn like it's i'm feeling it yeah no that's good so how, so for you, um, your own kind of personal, you know, in, in your head moments and, and time. So what, what does tapping into your own emotions look like? Because again, I feel like that's another area that it's definitely rarely talked about unless it's talked about in attachment to anger. Um, but so how do you handle emotion for yourself? And then again, I mean, obviously that's translating into, you know, how you're parenting kids. Yeah. And it's, it's actually been something I've been thinking a lot about over the last probably year, year and a half. And there's a, there's a really book, good book out there called like no more Mr. Nice guy or the nice guy syndrome or something. And I, I really fall into this where I just sacrifice everything for my, everybody else. Right. It's all about waking up early money, time, energy, kind of like this martyr complex. And what I've found is that, you know, while it's service is such a good thing to like give, you got to make sure that you're actually giving it and not turning it into like this martyr thing of like, I'm going to give it to you. And I wish that I had that time and kind of this resent resentment behind it as well. And so like tapping into your own emotions is like, what is important to me? Like, what do I want to do? And finding that passion within myself and then pairing that with what my kids want to do. Like I, you know, I, I'm actually starting to really enjoy pickleball. It's actually turning into like a little pa passion of mine and something that's fun for me that I want to go do as well. Um, I don't know. Emotions, emotions is tough because I, I've actually been a pretty even kill person most of my life. And so I don't get super passionate, super sad and super stuff like that. But mm. as I feel like I missed out on part of my life, too, because I'm not feeling some of those, ex even the good ones, like ex extreme happiness and extreme joy and extreme stuff. And, and was that similar in your own upbringing? Like, were you brought up to just be very even keel or was it too? And so that's one of the things, things I was kind of reading through that. So I was the oldest of six kids. Um, my dad had two jobs. He had like his day job and he had a farm. So I grew up on a sheep farm as well. So he was gone all the time. 
And so it was like mom with me and like, you know, five younger siblings and it was just pretty stressed there. And so I never wanted to add more stress to my family. And so I'd always like kind of be very independent, take care of my own stuff, never like put my challenges onto my family because I didn't want to add more to it. But, you know, we learned a lot of our bad habits from from kids and how we were taught and how we were raised and stuff. And I feel like I I miss out on a little bit of life because I'm not willing to kind of open up myself and kind of talk about those things. It's always about the other person because I'm all in my head trying to serve them. Hmm. But then they're like, well, what about you? Like, how can I help you? How can I get connected with you? And so it's, I'm learning that now in my 40s of trying to open up more. And it's, you know, I've taught myself for 40 years how to do it this way. So some of the things I don't even know the answers to. So interesting that you say that <clears throat> my parents divorced when I was six. And um, on one hand, I had to step up and be the man of the house right, of the, right away. Like my mom was remarried a few times um, and some guys were good for moments. Other guys were never good at all. Um, and so I was consistently, you know, the kid, I was mowing the lawn. I was driving, you know, my mom got breast cancer when I was young and at 14, I was driving my mom around because we didn't have anybody else to do that. And, you know, I, I kind of stepped into that role. And so I, I, I became independent. And then when you coupled my personality, which was very boisterously outgoing and everyone was like, you're the leader, you're the leader. And so I never, I never learned how to accept any of that. And then as I grew up, one of the other things I realized was, was that my dad had very high expectations of me. And so like him leaving coupled with that expectation really pushed me to then want to always prove everybody that I could do everything right. I, I was enough. I was worthy enough. And so those things coming together created this monster of sorts, which, you know, I, I, I never wanted help from anybody. I was way too prideful. And I mean, that was just internally destroying to me and brought me to the literal, just like brink of disaster because I was, I was just it was too much about me and I, I couldn't let anybody into that. Like that's a hard thing to deal with. And then you talk about, I mean, going back to where we started out with like marriage and love and stuff like that. Can you truly give all if you're not giving all right? Or like, you know, it's like I can serve and help as much as I can, but if I'm not willing to let them serve and let them help me and let them feel my emotions, let that stuff like that. Like, it's like, I'm almost doing a disservice to them. I'm not letting them all the way into me. So. That's really good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. When, when I've done quite, I've done quite a bit of marriage counseling for other people in the past, young couples that are getting married. And I always tell them, you know, one of the lies you you're told is that marriage is 50, 50. I said, marriage is 100, 100. If you are not going 100% all into everything on a day in and day out basis, you know, you're always going to come up short and you still are anyway, but you're always going to come up short in some degree or another. I mean, it's really about giving all of yourself over to another person and people just don't get that. Yeah. Okay, so uh, two other things that I, I'm kind of interested in hearing from, from you as we slowly begin to wind down. So the first one is um, fear. So again, you are a husband to uh, your wife, you are a father to seven kids, uh, you are involved in multiple business ventures, like there has to be some fear built into all that you're doing. So what, as you think about all of your life out there, like, 
what is that fear that you you feel like you're most challenged to deal with or do you have one that you're most challenged to deal with um i i don't know how much of the surface it is but providing for my family is a big one i mean i i got to put food on the table like we we eat a lot of food and we <laughs> <laughs> we spend a lot of getting a lot of stuff i have a college coming up and stuff like that and so the idea of having some company have the ability to fire me, it just does not resonate well with me at all that I could just do. And so that's partly why I've always had these side things. And I like multiple streams and stuff from a providing protection for my, my family source of income has been a big thing for me. Um, mm. I don't want to have somebody have that type of control over me. And so if one thing goes that I'll be able to have other, other sources, um, fears, other fears, you know, I, I think we talked about my one son just recently, but them not knowing how much I love them and how much I care for them. So I'm like balancing trying to provide as much for them, but I don't want to miss these years with them at the same time. Like I don't want them to come 10 years from now and be like, wow, you know, wish we would have spent some more time together or that's something. So it's like those two balancing is what I'm most worried about. Okay. That's, that's phenomenal that you said that because I mean, that really is the final question that I wanted to okay. ask. So <laughs> practically, how are you balancing the desire to love, sacrifice, care for, and serve your family while continuing to maintain some level of success, whatever that is to you? So, so what, are, what are some of the practical steps that you take to do that? Or do you have them? Uh, the one that I, I always try and do that I'm still have a lot to learn about is go all in when you're doing whatever. So we're doing a podcast right now. It's like be all in on the podcast and not worried about some of the other things that are there. And when I'm playing pickleball with my son, go all in at that moment or go on stuff like that. So that's that's been helpful. And it, it mm. makes a little bit more meaningful relationships when I'm with them and doing that stuff. So I'm not just half on the phone and half on this and half brain over there and whatever. And so you just, even if your body's there, you're still missing out on, on that. Um, and then trying to get really efficient and, and know what I'm, what I'm good at and what I'm not mm. good at. And so I'm really good at like hiring people on my side hustles to do specific things that that's not what, you know, editing a podcast is not what I should be doing with my life. Right. I mean, that's just, but I really, no, but I really enjoy doing the conversations, enjoying the conversations. And so spend my time doing that and let other people do, do other things. And it's, it's easy to kind of get caught up with like, well, how much money it is. And I can save this money and stuff like that. But there's the time aspect of just do what you're doing really well at go all in on it and let other people that do those things do them for you. So. I dig that. I, I, I love that idea of being 100% all into what you're doing. I mean, I know it's something that I fall victim to a lot. Yeah. Uh, and all. then I, yeah, well, I, I mean, obviously, and you have far more responsibility, but I, and I think too, then really backing that up with knowing what you're good at, what you enjoy and offloading the things that either you're not good at or don't want to do. And I think that's very practical I want to say simple wisdom, though it's a very difficult thing to do. It's very, very practical, simple wisdom if more of us would adopt it because it would free us up to do more of the things that we like to do, which is going to allow us to be more present with the people that we love, 
more present to do the things that we enjoy and more present to be more successful in the businesses that we're all either invested well, it's like in like all aspects is like home life. What can I offload other people to do? You know, even if my day job, you know, like saying like, this is what I do really well with, we need to hire somebody else to do that or my side hustles, stuff like that. Like it's gotta be all aspects of your life of like trying to do what you do well and let other people do it. That's good. Well, that, that, that's the good one big practical takeaway. I, I said, I didn't want seven steps, but one was a there really go. good one. <laughs> All right, man. Well, I mean, I appreciate you being willing to share. You're actually the first one. I don't know where this is going to come out in publishing, oh, cool. but this is the first episode that we're recording in this vein. So I'm interested to hear how your uh, experience and feedback is going to uh, lean into, you know, what, what, you know, many other guys are going to share, but super valuable and super helpful. So thank you. Thank you for being willing to oh, go first. Very, very welcome. Unfortunately, it can be very lonely being this dad and this husband. And I think we just need each other and to be able to like talk with each other and, and do stuff. So I really appreciate, you know, to come on and share, share my story and look forward to other ones. Awesome. All right, guys. Well, that wraps up another episode of the podcast. As always, make sure to reach out to and connect with the guest, Steve Watson. You can find him on LinkedIn. I'll put his uh, link in the show notes so you can do that. If you have any feedback for me, thoughts, questions, concerns, heck, if you were pissed off about something that I said, reach out to me. If you were mad about something that Steve said- Oh, you can reach out to me too. (laughs) Just, Just put it all on me. I'll take it all on. Other than that, as I always say, regardless of what I'm talking about, be you, be happy, be authentic. Peace. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Authentic Conversations. If you are ready to live the life you've dreamed of, I'm here to help. Head to ryanjamesmiller.com slash podcast to begin your journey. And if this episode impacted you in any way, pay it forward by sharing it with someone you know. I'm Ryan James Miller, and I'll see you next time on Authentic Conversations.